Thanks for joining us for the Sermon of the Week. You can find out more information about Legacy Church online at LegacyFamily.tv. Amen. So we've been talking about our identity. Last week we went out of Romans, the 8th chapter. And uh, Romans 8th chapter is awesome. It talks about we've been adopted. Uh, It talks about that we're heirs. You know, uh, it talks about God being our father. It talks about us being the children of God. It talks about us being the sons of God. Y'all remember? If you were here, do you remember? No, no. It's hard to remember, isn't it? That's why we're doing it in a series. I'm gonna, I want to build it in you. You need to know who you are. You need to know who you are. Guess what that fog Brittany was talking about? That's because we all forget who we are. We forget. And the, guess what the devil wants to do? He wants to make you forget. He's the one that brings oppression, depression, and stuff. So we'll, we'll dig into him. But anyway, 140 times it says in him, commercial break. Here's a sheet with 92, because that's all I could get on there. 92. It's on the back table back there at the Welcome Center. If you want to find out who you are in Christ, then you need to find out who you are. We're talking about it today. But here's 92. In Jesus, I have abundance of grace. In Jesus, I reign in life. In Jesus, I walk in newness of life. In Jesus, I'm alive unto God. In Jesus, I bring forth fruit unto God. In Jesus, I have no condemnation. That's just Romans. We ain't even got started good. Need to get a hold of this. Hey, hey, because how many of you ever felt condemned? Right here, me too. But there's no condemnation in God, so that means God's not condemning me. The devil is. I got to recognize that. Wait a minute, devil, get off me. Get out of my mind. I do have hair. You know, he'll come to tell you that you're ugly. We'll get into the sermon here in just a minute. Let's, let's dive in. In 2 Corinthians 5.17, that's our base that we're uh, uh, diving in from. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation, a new creature. Huh? That, that's what it says. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. You know, it's inherent because Adam and Eve, we talked about it last Sunday. Adam and Eve, they, they uh, listened to Satan's words and they, uh, they fell. They, they, sin entered into the world. You know, I remember as a little boy, I'd I walk in, we'd go barefooted. You ever stepped on a sticker? Oh, and you're doing this number. And you know, grass burning your foot. And you grab a hold of something and somebody says, let me pull it out. No, don't touch it. It'll hurt. It hurt now. It'll hurt worse. Isn't that way it is with sin? Don't touch my sin. It's going to be hard to get rid of it. So just don't touch it. Let's just let it alone. Uh, but stickers came because of the curse. Mold came because of the curse. Sickness became because of the curse. But Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. So our new identity, put that scripture back up there, 1 Corinthians 5, 17. If any man be in Christ, if anyone's in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. This is what we're going at right now is the old things. How many of you know that you pick up stuff growing up that does not belong to you? Huh? I don't care if you had the greatest parents in the world. You pick up stuff at school. You pick up stuff in the, watching TV. You pick up stuff from friends. And you got to drop that stuff. And it's hard. But we all have to drop that stuff. We have to lay aside things and take up what God's called us to do. Amen? Or what God's called us to be. 
The Bible says, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Here's where the battle's at. Right here. Because when you get born again, it's down here. Your spirit. And then you have this mind you deal with, and this mind is full of trash. There's some good stuff in there, but most of it's trash. Boy, ain't nobody, ain't nobody getting it. You know, my mind goes, ain't nobody listening to you, Pastor. Ain't nobody getting it. You know? That's what your mind does. You walk in, there, ain't nobody likes me in here. You know, that's what your mind does. You walk in a restaurant and you're like, ugh, is anybody friendly here? You ever been there? That's your mind. You're not welcome here. You know, that's your mind talking to you. And you get to talking to people and they're actually, they're friendly. But your mind will deceive you and, and, and attack you. you Got to guard it. So let's, let's dig in. Who, got, who does not have notes that want sermon notes? Raise your hand. Believe everybody's got them. Probably about 13 or 14 years ago, there was a man that they found behind the Burger King in Georgia who was beat up, naked, and just knocked, you know, he was out. They, they beat him bad, and they took him to the hospital. And when he came to, he didn't know who he was. And so the police were trying to find out. They put his, you know, his picture in the, on the news, a picture in the paper. Dr. Phil heard about it. And, and they put him on national TV. Nobody recognized the man. Uh, they hired a private detective to find out who he was. And finally, the nurse moved him in her house. And she's been trying. It's been years and years. I know eight years ago or uh, four years ago, he still didn't know who he was. Been eight years. Now it's 13 years. What we're trying to do in this series is for you to find out who you are in God. There's things that, that you don't know or you've never been taught that God wants you to have. You know, there's things that, and, and there's steps to take in your life. All these kids, they can't drive. Well, they're hypocrites then, aren't they? No, they're not able yet. Anybody ever met a Christian that was a hypocrite? They don't know who they are in Christ. They don't know who they are in Christ. They're babies. They're children. They got to grow up. And you know, has your kid ever embarrassed you in the grocery store? Throwing a hissy? A hissy fit? Slobbering, I want a toy. And you go, that's not my kid. It is your kid. It is your child. Well, God's children do the same thing. They throw hissy fits and people call them hypocrites. I ain't going to church to act like that. Well, you act like that. Even though you... You know, that's the point. You got to look at people where they're at in their life. You can't expect them to, you can't expect any of these kids to drive. But we do, don't we? Well, you thought you was a Christian. I thought they were, I thought they were human. You know, I, when I was growing up in church, the, the preacher said, Jesus is coming. I said, wait a minute, I want to learn how to drive a car. I want to drive first. Don't come back yet, Lord. And then I started driving, and the preacher said, Jesus is coming. I said, wait a minute, I want to get married. I want to get married. I want to get married. You know, I want to have kids, too. I want to come back. Let, yeah, you know, we, we put all these stipulations on the Lord, and I got married and started having kids, and the preacher said, Jesus is coming. I said, come, Lord. I got a house. No, I got all these kids I got to take care of. Come on, help me. I'll just, okay, okay. Let's get into this. Number one. What is Satan's plan regarding your identity? You know Satan's got a plan 
He's got a plan. And he's been activating it for 2,000, 3,000, 4,000 years, 5,000 years, 6,000 years. He has been on this plan for man not to find out who they are. Boy, you look at the Bible and look at the people that coulda, shoulda, coulda had. You know, in high school, I played, or actually it was junior high uh, in the ninth grade. This boy fell out. He was one of the best basketball players I'd ever played against or played with. He went to my school, but he, he decided, I'm not going to play basketball. I'm going to go with drugs. And he went to drugs, and he never made it as a basketball player like he could have. He could have went to college. He could have done anything on a basketball court, but he gave it up. He got derailed or sidetracked, would you say? And so as we look at these things, Satan has a plan, and uh, he tries to uh, hold your true identity uh, in secret from you. And uh, he wants to steal, kill, and destroy. John 10, 10 says, The thief comes not but to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus said, I have come that you might have life. Jesus said that. Jesus said in John 10, 10, The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. How many know Satan can't hurt God? He's not even on the same level. The Bible said, Jesus said, I beheld Satan. He's just thrown down from heaven. You know, God just flicked his little finger and Satan just went flying. But how does Satan attack? God by attacking you. You're his creation. You're his most beloved creation. God created you to have fellowship with him. God created you to be in his family. God created you to be like him. He doesn't make us. I'm going to jump, jump just a little bit here. How many of you know we were all, we all conform to something? I don't care if it's the Cardassians. I don't care if it's John Wayne. I don't care. You look at little boys and they watched the football games yesterday and they want to be a football player. They want to conform to that. The girls want to conform to the cheerleader. I've seen girls want to play football. But you see something. Caleb plays the guitar. He saw as a young boy somebody else playing the guitar and he goes, I'd like to do that. And then he found out he had some talent to do it. Not everybody that wants to play has talent to do it, do they? But he had talent to do it, and he's a guitar player because he saw somebody he looked up to. Be that somebody these kids can look up to. I used to have a basketball coach that said, don't, do, don't live life like I live it. Let me be the wrong example. I said, dude, that ain't right. You're a Christian. You're supposed to be the right example. So as we look at what Satan wants to do, number one, he can't hurt God, but he tries to hurt his kids. Especially when you become a Christian, you look like God and he really doesn't like you. If he can keep you from learning who you are in Christ and hide your true identity and distort it or even destroy it, he will. And if he hurts you, he hurts God. I mean, you know that. But listen to this. God's not moved by your hurt. God's moved by faith. This is a secret right here. This is a, this is a nugget if you don't get anything else. If God moved by your crying and your emotions, and oh, what is happening to me? And God moved by that, then de the devil could control God by controlling you. 
But God wants you to suck it up and find out who you are and tell the devil to get out of the house. Tell the devil, hit the road, Jack. And don't you come back. But you know he does. He comes in a different way. You know, we, we, we talked about, you know, we all have different things and he comes in and, and put strife in your life. He'll put different things in your life. Let's jump to number two. All right, no, let's look under, under number one. There's A, B, C, and D. A says this. These are the tactics that Satan uses to destroy your true identity. You know, he's got some tactics. Number one's opinions of others. You know what? There are some good opinions of you, but there's some bad ones. And somebody said, everybody has good thoughts about you until you start going past them. It's the old crab in the fat. You put a bunch of crabs in the bucket, one of them will start climbing out, and the other one will grab him and pull him down. Huh? Not that, he's, not that he's against the crab. He's just trying to get out too, but he'll pull him down and stand on that one to get out. That's what opinions are about. Have your own opinion and let it be from God. The Bible's full of God's opinions about you. And he didn't say you was ugly, and he didn't say he didn't like you, and he didn't say he was going to condemn you, and he didn't say he was going to beat you up, and he's a good father, and he didn't say he'd make you sick to teach you something. Think about all those things. All those things that, that we hear about God and what God does. That's not God. Look at what the Bible says. You know, the, the Bible is, is, is God's opinion about us. Look in the New Testament. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Jesus went about doing good. He said, I don't say anything except the Father tells me to say it. He didn't say anything out of whack. You know, Jesus didn't say, oh, y'all stupid people, I can't believe. You won't hear me. Matter of fact, before he went to the cross, he stood and cried over Jerusalem because they wouldn't receive him. His heart was broken. You know, God's heart gets broken over us. Because he wants us to know him and know who we are and what we have. So the opinions of others. How about parents? Good or bad said things about you. Peers, enemies, and friends. They mold the image that you have of yourself. People try to get to you or they try to get you to be what they want you to be. Huh? I coached my kids in basketball, baseball, and whatever, and there was this one. We were coaching t-ball and trying to have fun. There was this guy that was a semi-professional baseball player, and he wanted his son's going to play baseball. Bless his heart. His son could hardly run, walk, much less run, and he couldn't hardly throw. But he wanted his boy out there, and he wanted him in the best spot. And I'm like, dude, you want to embarrass him? You're putting too much. He's just five years old. You're putting too much on him. You're trying to make him be like you. He's not like you. He's like a mama. No joke. He couldn't throw. Now, my mama could throw, but anyway, we ain't going there. My point is, though, not all, your kids aren't going to have to be like you. All, what they need to do is find out who they are in Christ and let God lead them. Let God direct them. Teach them who they are. Guide them. You know, there's, there's teachings out there where you should just let kids grow up and be who they are. No, no, they'll, they'll be a killer. They'll, 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 if they go their own way, it won't be right. They need Jesus. We all need Jesus. We all need to be that new creation that Jesus has made us. We all need to be 
what God's called us to be. Amen? Whether you're a doctor or a lawyer, then you'll you, you be led by that. You'll find out where your gifts and strengths are. And that's what, as a parent, you need to find out what your children's gifts and strengths are. Not what you think they ought to be. Well, I think you need to be a doctor. I think you need to be a lawyer. I, no, you need to find out their strengths. Amen? All right, I'm dabbling there, wasn't I? B, guess what else hurts and pains affect you? Circumstances that you grew up in. And we all had some crazy circumstances growing up. A lot of them we stepped into, a lot of them we did, but a lot of them people put on us. People hurt you, your friends hurt you. You know, you ever been left out or, or, or you know, growing up? It's tough enough being uh, in junior high, much less with all the craziness that goes on. You know, when, when, you, when your hormones are changing and your body's changing and you're in junior high, they kids don't even like, don't like their hair, they don't like their eyes, they don't like their name, they don't like their family, they don't like anything because they don't feel good enough. Look and talk to them. Well, you know, I, this and that. They'll, they'll hem haul because they don't know who they are. They're trying to grow up. Speak life to them. Encourage them. Strengthen them. Hurts and pains. Man, hurts and pains are what Satan uses to, to disguise who you are, to set you back. Well, you know your daddy didn't like you. You know how they, they kicked you out of the house or they don't love you. They don't like you. That's a lie. That's a lie. God loves you. And God's not behind those circumstances. Let's just put that to rest. In the beginning, God created man, male and female created he them, and he gave them dominion over the earth. Who has dominion in your house? You. You can let God be God or you can let the devil reign. You have dominion. I tell the story about I opened up the doors, let the air, air out the house one spring, and a stray dog come in my house. I didn't go, come here, Scruffy. I said, get out of here. And it, I've never seen it since. But I took dominion over it. You have dominion over your, what you think about, what you watch on TV, what you read, who you talk to, who you say are you going to be friends with, who you want to be like. Look at all the kids that left out of here. They want to be like somebody. They're already talking about it. They're already thinking about it. I want to sing like mama. I want to be like grandpa. I want to ride the tractor. I want to be a farmer. I want to raise chickens. They're already talking about it. They're setting goals and dreams and visions, and they're wanting to be conformed to something that they've seen. Huh? How about you? Can you remember some things that you wanted to be dream set about? How about, how about I, I remember saying stuff, oh, I want to do that, and somebody said, you, you can't do that. Huh? You can't do that. There's certain jobs that I wanted to go after, and they said, y'all, you can't do that. But I found out I can do anything. You can do anything. And so as we look at this, hurts and pain. Satan uses hurt and pain to deceive, disguise your identity. And if he, if he can get you resentful, bitter, angry, guilty, ashamed, he knows you'll miss your identity. Boy, y'all quiet this morning. Now, let, me tell, let me tell on myself then, since y'all don't want to talk. Growing up, my dad didn't, he didn't with me. My mama was, she'd want to, you know, she'd wear you out. 
And I used to run from her, and she'd catch me anyway. I thought, be about an hour. You know, I didn't have a watch, but it's been long enough. Maybe she forgot. No. But my dad was one of them that went, hey, get out, good quiet in there. He'd yell. And I said, I do not want to yell at my kids. But I was around it for 17, 18 years. It becomes a part of you. Whether you want it to be or not. And you have to fight that. See, just that simple thing. And I found out that I became a yeller. And I didn't want to do that. So I had to change. I wanted to change. See, but how about little things like they smoked? I wanted to smoke. Huh? That, you know, you, the, you, you watch scary movies? Your kids don't want to watch them. Ah, my, I ain't going to say, I almost said family members, but listen, you got to, so they might listen to this. <laughs> because you got, you got to guard your heart, guard what going into your, kid, your children and into your own heart. Amen? Let me keep going. I'm down. Second Corinthians 4, 4. It says, in whose case the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving that they might not see the light of the gospel uh, of the glory of Christ who is the image of God. Satan wants to blind your eyes to who you are, child of God. Can you call yourself a child of God? Well, pastor, I, see, there's a problem. So Romans 10, 9, and 10 says, If you confess with your mouth what you believe in your heart, if you believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and you confess it with your mouth, you are born again, you are a child of God. You may be a baby Christian, but you are a child of God. But the devil will come and tell you, well, you're not good enough. It ain't about being good enough. It's about Jesus being good enough. It ain't about your perfection. It's about his perfection. That's what it means to be in Christ. When I step into Christ, I step into his perfection. I step into his righteousness. I step in a little closer to the Father. And as I grow up in it, I'm really communicating with God now. God and I are having to, I'm, I'm learning to hear from God just like Jesus did because I'm in Christ. Are y'all with me? This is how you change. This is how you grow up. You know, when I, I went to church uh, all my life, but I, it was, I was 24, 24 years old. And the pastor said, and God spoke to me this week. And I went, what? You lost it. God, and, you know, I never was taught God to speak to me. We're his children. He's supposed to speak to us. Ask him. Ask him when he spoke to you as a child. Ask him when he spoke to you as a teenager. Ask him when he spoke to you as an adult. He's speaking. He's always speaking. We got to be listening. C, underneath number one, is media and culture. What's on TV? <laughs> yeah, the Kardashians. I want to dress like them. I want to comb my hair like them. I'm just using them as an example. But that's what the media is about. I want to be John Wayne. You know, how did he walk? Uh-huh. Pilgrim. You know, you want to be John Wayne. You see something or, or you, want to, you want to swing the bat. I remember when I was growing up, the Cincinnati Reds were good and there was a batter named Joe Morgan and we had to play, we had to bat left-handed in my backyard because it wasn't that big. It was pretty big. But we used to pump our left hand like Joe Morgan, be like him, conforming to what we see. And there's television and media. It's just like if you eat Lay's potato chips, guys, you get all the pretty chicks. Isn't that what the commercial said? That's what media wants to do. 
to have you could conform or ax body spray for the guys. Huh? How crazy is that? But they sell it. How crazy are the Kadassians? They got millions of followers. I'll not be one. Just, just clarifying that. I'm not one. But my point is, people want to conform to something. You've got to guard your heart. What are you conforming to? You've got the media, the culture. Uh, Satan uses media and culture all around us. There are messages that say uh, why you can't uh, do this or why you should look like that or you need to buy this. Have you all ever seen the info commercials where they sell in some kind of pot, kettle, or iron or something, and they've got a captive audience, and they go, look at this iron, and everybody goes, ooh, ah. And it's all made up, you know. Do you know how much they sell on those commercials? It's crazy. The power of it. The power of television. You may not like TV preachers, but they're reaching people. I mean, some of them I can't stand. But, but we got some that come here and they're reaching hundreds of thousands of people getting saved every year. Hundreds of thousands. There's hundreds of thousands of Muslims getting saved that we don't hear about that, but they are through Christian television. The power of media is powerful for good or for bad. You know, when they first invented TV, they wanted to give the churches all the license to them. And the church said, we don't want that. That's a one-eyed devil. Now, it is a one-eyed devil now. If the church had it, you know, well, we'd have, the worst it'd be would be on be gun smoke. Okay, I dated myself. Nobody listening here, huh? Let's go to D. Your thoughts. How about your thoughts? God, we got to clean up our thoughts. Our thoughts have to be godly. Our thoughts have to be conformed to the Word of God. The Word of God will teach you how to thank you to help you how to think. Satan's put thoughts in your mind. You, the Bible teaches that you can control your thoughts. That you can control your thoughts and uh, suggestions and, uh, and put in there what God tells us to be. When God puts a thought in your mind, it's called inspiration or revelation. How many of you know that? When Satan puts a thought in your mind, it's called temptation. Even, even when he says like, oh, you're stupid. And you go, yeah, that's just temptation. Or that's ignorant, or that's not right, or you're not good enough. You know, and that's some of our thoughts. Our own thoughts are stupidity, aren't they? Y'all ever see, you don't see the redneck say, hey, y'all watch this? Get ready. That's, it's fixing to happen. Stupid's fixing to happen, isn't it? Where did that idea come from? And so, so you got to guard your, your thoughts. You have to choose them. 2 Corinthians 10, 5 says that we cast down imaginations. Those are thoughts. And every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. You can stop thinking stupid stuff. You can stop thinking how bad you are. You can stop thinking that you're no good. You can stop thinking. Huh? Huh? That I'll never get ahead. That I'll always live like this. Ah, uh-uh. God, Jesus came to set you free. But how are those thoughts kept? Uh, that you won't even go to certain places and apply for a job because you don't think they'll ever hire you. Thoughts don't even. There's things that don't even enter your mind to doing. I can't do that. 
I'm not even going to try. How powerful are thoughts? Things you won't step in. All right? I'm trying to help y'all. There's this pastor that I, I, I know, and, in, and he's not the best-looking guy in the world, but in high school, he dated all the pretty girls. Because he wasn't afraid of, for them to say no. He went up to the prettiest girls in the high school. Hey, you want to go out with me? Let's go out and get, let's go to a movie. And they'd say, yeah, because nobody, everybody else was too scared to ask him out. She'd never go out with me. She'd never go out with me. She'd never go out with me. I'm not even going to ask her out. She'd never go out with me. Man, he just walk up there. What they're going to say is no. Think about it. That's what I'm talking about. I, I'm not even going to look at a new car. I can't afford it. You need to put your vision out there. You got to put your vision out there. You got to have something be going. Because guess what? If you don't have any vision for life to change, to be different, you're just sitting, you're in a rut. You know what a rut is, don't you? It's a grave with both ends knocked out. You're in a grave. You need to get up out of there. God's trying to pull you up. Jesus, the Bible says that Jesus sent, uh, he became a man and came to the muck and the mire that we walk in to pull us out of it. That he descended. That's when the Bible says that Jesus became poor. He left heaven where the streets are paved with gold to walk in the dirt and the dust. You know Jesus got dirty? Do you know he probably had body odor? They didn't have deodorant back then. Do you know Jesus got tired? Tired enough to sleep in a boat that was about to sink? That's tired. Huh? He got tired. He became a man. That's the poverty that Jesus came. He became like us to pull us out of it. Let's get out of that. Let's get out of the rut. Let's start changing. I really ready to dive into this last one. Let me say these things. Satan wants to steal your identity by your thoughts. How many of you ever thought you have to earn your acceptance with God? How many of you have to earn the love of God? You haven't got to learn the love of God. How about, have you ever heard this? You'll never be forgiven of that. Man, that's a lie of the devil. Let me just say something. And I, God loves you. He loves you so much he sent Jesus. Guess what? Everybody that went to hell, he loved them too. Thank God our eyes are open, that we're seeing who Jesus is, that we want to conform to him, that we've accepted him, and that we're in the family of God. Y'all quiet. Say, hell is not my home. Heaven is my home because I'm a child of God. Let's look at E, your words, your words. Now, this is where we need, this is, this is one we really need to go at. Because, you know, one thing to have a thought. It's one thing to have a thought. But this is the number one tool is the devil wants you to repeat what he told you. And when you start saying it, you're locking it in. I'm no good. I'm no good. I'll never be forgiven of that. I'm no good. I've committed the unpardonable sin. No, you haven't. You haven't even come close. 
Man, I've been to people, I've said this before, I've been to the jail, been to the insane asylum because people went crazy because they had no hope. They thought they'd, they messed up too bad. God would never forgive them. They know they're going to hell. And they went out of their mind. That's the biggest lie. And to believe that I can't be forgiven, to believe that I'm not good enough, it's not your goodness. It's Jesus' goodness. Go back about four Sundays ago. We talked about the blood. The blood of Jesus is powerful. It washes us. Ha ha. We can be free because of the blood of Jesus. We're talking life-changing stuff here. When you find out who you are and you quit saying what the devil said and start saying what God said about you, that I am in Christ, that I am an overcomer, that I'm more than a conqueror, that I have the victory, that I have the victory over sin, that I can conquer this addiction, that I am overcomer. I can overcome anything in Christ Jesus. That's where we got to live, that we're overcomers, we're more than conquerors, that I hear the voice of God. Jesus said, that we can hear the voice of God and the voice of a stranger we won't follow. She said, my, my, in John 10, 10, my people know my voice. My sheep know my voice. I never heard God, Pastor. Start saying it. I hear the voice of God. But what we do, uh, I don't think I can ever hear God. I'll never be that close to God. I'm not good enough to be that close to God. Isn't that what we do? I'm not that good. I'm not good enough to be that close to God. God can use anybody in anything. And yes, you can be close to God because of Jesus Christ. It's your identity. You were made to be. God made you. And you know why God didn't go, oh, I messed up with that one. But that's what we think. Greg's back there laughing. Ain't nobody like Greg. But God made him. And he's still a child of God. I'm picking at him. He can take it, though. He knows it. You see a big, uh, I'm going to say African-American since we're in this age, but he's a country boy. Wears boots and everything else. Now he's, I stirred him up. Now he's going to be mouthing the rest of the service. <laughs> My point is, doesn't matter what you look like or who you are, you're a child of God. You're not, you don't have to look like me. My goodness, thank God you don't look like me. You're supposed to be you. And you have giftings and callings and things that God has put in you that nobody else has. Or, or they may have it in Kentucky or they may have it in California, but we don't have it here. And that's why you're here. This church needs you. You say, well, they've already got, they already got that. We need another one. Well, we already got somebody to do this. Well, we need another one. My vision is bigger. Well, we already got somebody to do the, the greet the door. We need more. We have several people out today. Well, you think, well, they already done that. They, they're already doing that. I, I guess there's nothing for me to do here, so I, I don't have to go somewhere. No. There is room at the table. God placed you at the table. You're in the family. There's a place for you and a part for you to play in the kingdom of God. And there are things that, there are people that only you can reach. And you've got to know your identity. Wait till next Sunday. <laughs> we, we're going to just go after this. Quit letting the devil steal who you are, your gifts and abilities. 
the talents that you have. Mm. All these tools are trying to conceal you. Blind yourself to who you really are. So let's look at how God sees us. Number two, how does God see you? The scriptures that we're about to read have been called like the fingerprints of God. How many of you like to have God hold you? How about to have the fingerprints of God on you? You got the fingerprints of God on you, but you're not looking at it. You're looking at the devil's fingerprints. Huh? Well, I'm this, I've messed up that, I've done this. Oh, oh, that's a lie. You're a new creation. New beginnings in God. And if God asked you to do something, do you think he'd ask you to do something that he wouldn't do? If he asks you to forgive seven times 70, don't you think he will? Yeah. If he asks you to forgive, don't you think he'll forgive? Yes, he will. But boy, we get in that, we get in that rut and we get in that beating me down. I'm no good. I'm pitiful. Wake up. Wake up to the things of God. In 1 Peter 2 9, it says, But you are a chosen generation a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you should proclaim the praises of him who has called you out of darkness and to his marvelous light. Verse 10, who once were not a people, but now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but have obtained mercy. Say, thank God for mercy. Come on, say, thank God for mercy. And say, thank God, I'm the people of God. I'm the family of God. I'm a child of God. So this is the way God sees you. This is what Christ paid for you. Look at A on, on the underneath there. You're a chosen race. You're a chosen generation. You're a chosen people. You are completely accepted. In the New Testament, it goes down the line how you're accepted, accepted, accepted in Christ. You've been accepted. You've been accepted. Huh? Chosen. Remember, remember in school, you dividing up to play kickball. I'm going dating myself too. Kickball, what? Pick me, pick me, pick me, pick me, pick me. And then your last one, pick. You do like this. You were chosen before the foundations of the world to be in the family of God. You were created before the foundations of the world in the heart and the mind of God. You and you were born for such a time as this, to be on the earth, to serve the almighty God, to be his representative, a chosen people. Man, if that ain't stirring you up a little bit, it's stirring me up a little bit. Because I'm a chosen, I'm not because I'm a pastor. I'm down here walking because I got to walk in this muck and mire just like you do. I have to fight sin, I have to fight sickness, I have to fight wrong thoughts just like you do. I didn't have nothing special. Oh, you got a, you the pastor. You spend, no, I'm not. I was worse. I got a big target. All the fiery darts of the wicked, you ain't ever going to make it. Huh? But I got a shield of faith. I'm a child of God. I'm an overcomer. I'm more than a conqueror. I've been chosen. I'm accepted. I'm in the family. I'm on the team. I'm here. God put me here. God put you here. 
in this time, in this place, in this day to hear this message, to stir you up, to be the, the, that you are the chosen. You are completely accepted. 2 Thessalonians 2.13 says that we should always give thanks to God, but we should always give thanks to God for you. Always for you. Brethren, beloved by the Lord. How many of you know we're loved by the Lord? Because God from the beginning chose you for salvation through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth. If you believe in the truth, then salvation is available for you. How about all these people that their eyes are blinded? This is how you pray. Their eyes are blinded because they don't know the truth. They act the way they act. They act stupid. They act wrong. They do crazy things because guess what? They've been blinded and they go, I'm not accepted. And if I ain't accepted, I'm going to go hell the fast way. And I'm going to have a good time while I go. Pass me another beer. And crank my Harley too while you at it. Yeah? Or give me some pills. Or I might as well rob a bank. I'm going to hell anyway. Let's just let's, let's steal a million dollars and go blow it somewhere. Before we go to prison, they put us in an electric chair. That's the mentality. Isn't that blindness? But see, we're not that way anymore. Our, our thoughts have been changed. Now, wait a minute. I'm in Christ. I can overcome without having to do evil. I can have a good time without having to do evil. How about that? How about serving God can be fun? Okay. B, the Bible says that we're a royal priesthood. Royalty. Come on. Royalty? Man, I'm from the country. I mean, royalty. We're in the bloodline of Jesus. We're royalty. We're in the family of God. We've been adopted, made heirs, joint heirs. We're the, king, we're the kings that he's king of. You ever heard Jesus be referred to as the king of kings and the Lord of lords? We're the kings and lords that he's king of. Well, not me, Pastor Brett. Come on, put all that. That's not humility. That's you just don't want to accept it. You use people that, well, you know, I, I, they try to be humble. Humble. Well, you know, I, I, Moses was the most humble man on the earth next to Jesus. He led a million men, not counting women and children. If he went around, well, I don't know, guys, what are we going to do? i just going to be humble. You can't believe they'd have killed him. They almost killed him anyway, several times. Being humble does not mean be weak. You being humble, you know where your strength comes from. Almighty God. Being humble is that you're relying upon him and then you got to make the hard decisions about your life. Let's talk about being a priest just for a second. The priest brought the sacrifices in. They, the people brought the sacrifices and they brought, guess what? Guess what sacrifice you got to bring in, priest? I don't want to hear it. You. You. You got to bring yourself. Father, I don't, I'm tired. I don't, I, I don't want to do it my way anymore. I want to do it your way. Man, to lay yourself on the altar is one of the hardest things you'll ever do because you've you got to give up your way. You know, I was, last Sunday I talked about how do, you, how do you know your flesh ever talked to you? How can you tell? Run up that hill. Run up that hill in that grass there. And when your side starts hurting, that's your flesh talking to you. Ah, it'll be going every, every step. Quit, quit, quit. Quit, you're hurting me. 
and your flesh talks to you, what, what, 1130? There's chocolate ice cream in the refrigerator. That's your flesh talking to you. That's your flesh. Or what did I do last week? That's your flesh. That's all it is. It's flesh. And so we have to take control of our flesh, and we can. And we can lay it on the altar, and we can get up empowered by God. Okay. Don't shout me down while I'm preaching good. See, see, a holy nation. I want to go to disparate ask. You know what we think holy would be? Uh, be set apart, something holy that's pure. Something holy is, is you know, it's, it's just clean and pure. But how about this? How about something holy is, is extremely valuable? You ever thought about it? Jerusalem is extremely valuable to God because it's the holy city where Jesus is going to come back and set up his kingdom. But guess what? You are a holy nation. You are extremely valuable to God. Yeah, you're supposed to be holy. He said, be ye holy as I am holy. And you know what? He'll wash you in the blood and make you holy. But the other aspect is the reason that the blood was shed is because you are valuable. God could see the holiness that he wanted in you. He, he saw you as his child when you, he sent you to the earth. How about that? How about that? I can give you scriptures for that, that you were sent to the earth. God sent you here and you were called to be his child. And you're valuable. But most people can't see themselves as being valuable because they've been said, well, you're stupid, you're dumb. You know, I, 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 I listened to a Greek scholar's name is Rick Renner, and he walked into class in high school, and his teacher taught his daddy, and she called him Stupid Renner. But he just said, you know, his daddy's name, Stupid Richard. He goes, no, ma'am, that's my daddy. She goes, yeah, but you just like him. Didn't even know him first day in, this, in her class. Called him stupid. I could have said, well, that's it. I'm going to give up. He's a Greek scholar. Man, you don't, you don't let anybody, what to call you. You know, my kids used to come in from school. They call me a stupid head. I said, well, are you? Oh, oh no. I said, well, that's good. That's because you're not. Why are you crying? Don't let the devil in. Don't let him in. You're not that. Ha ha, I'm not that. That's not who I am. I'm not a stupid head. Neither are your children. And you don't call them stupid. That was the S words in my house and the D word. Stupid, shut up, and dumb. We'd be in a restaurant and one of them go, oh, somebody said the S word, and the whole restaurant started laughing. They thought it was the other four-letter S word, but no, somebody said stupid. Why didn't I let them say stupid? Because one day they might call me stupid and then they would be over. You know, I'd have to wear them out. I'm saving you. Or you don't tell me to shut up. I've seen kids tell their parents to shut up and they did. No. And we're not dumb. We don't call people dumb. We don't call people stupid. And I use it a lot in my sermons trying to make a point. My kids call me out on it. You know, you never would let us say that growing up. And here you are, you preach about it. You say it all the time. They call me out. You're not, you're not stupid and you're not dumb. Matter of fact, the more you get in the Bible, how about the more you read the Bible and you hear the, what the Word says, you become like God. 
And God is not stupid or dumb. He created everything. He knows the beginning from the end. He knows math. He knows science. He knows a combustible engine. Do you know he knows how to fix a gasoline engine? The Holy Spirit knows everything. He knew airplanes could fly way before man found out. Just, just throwing that out there. Okay. So we're a holy nation. We're extremely valuable. Guess what? You are so valuable that God sent his son to pay the price for you. You know, I got a bed in my attic. and I could sell it to you. But if I had Lincoln's, Abraham Lincoln's bed in my attic, which one would you want? My bed that was, you know, 25 years old and wore out or his that was 200 years old, it'd be worth a little bit more money, wouldn't it? Because it's valuable. You're valuable to God. God paid the price for you. Matter of fact, he created you and, and he created you and made you, but because you were born in sin, he bought you the second time with the blood of Jesus. I'm trying to help you this morning. You are valuable to God. Let's look, let's look at D. A special possession. Huh. You are unconditionally loved and forgiven, child of God. You see, you're loved. Matter of fact, everybody on the planet's love, but not everybody on the planet's a child of God. Trying to help you. Is that right? But as a child of God, God's forgiven you. God wants you to, you know, somebody called me one time and said, Pastor, I won't tell you. They won't forgive me. They won't forgive me. And you need to tell them they need to forgive me. And you need to make them forgive me because they won't forgive me. They won't let it go. Boy, they just, you know, and I'm like, woo. Like, Lord, help me. You know what the Lord said? I said, okay, hold on. Have you asked them for forgiveness? Uh, hung up. It takes some humility to ask for forgiveness, even from fellow people. Really, it's easier to ask God forgive you because you can't see him. And you don't think he's always with you. It's like that preacher said, well, the Lord asked me to do something, but I didn't want to tell him I wasn't going to do it. <laughs> like the Lord didn't know what he's thinking. And, you know, if we, we're that way with God. He's not here. I can do what I want to. I mean, you know, remember when you, your kids are growing up and you tell them don't touch the electric plug and they do this number? And they figure if they're not looking at it, you can't see them touching it. That's the way we are with God. Come on, God knows everything and sees everything and he still loves you. He still, you're still in his family, child of God. But if you, if you got to, the, the key part is to always ask for forgiveness and, and always accept the love. One of the greatest things too is we don't want to forgive ourselves. We do this. If we was laying there, We'd be doing this every time we walk by our, our own self. We'd be kicking ourselves. You stupid idiot. I can't believe you. You ain't ever going to be good enough. You did it again. Look at you. That's why we beat ourselves up. God wants you to forgive yourself. God wants you to forgive others. He wants you to forgive yourself. What does it say? Love thy neighbor as thyself. 
You can't love your neighbor unless you love yourself. You can go through the motion, though, hey, how you doing? And then you just turn around, you know, sires all get out because you're sired yourself. I'm trying to help you because we got to change that, that we are valuable, that we are God's special possession. It changes our identity. I had a kid, and I tell about him, he, he, he wouldn't look me in the eye. He was in my youth, and I'd shake his hand, and I'd yank him. I said, look at me. You're a man. Look at me. Look at me in my eyes because his mama was in prison. His daddy, he don't know who his daddy was, and, and, and he had no self-worth. And I'd shake his hand and say, look at me. Look at me. I'm talking to you. Look at me. I'd make him look at me. Guess what? He went and got some marine training. He come back like this, head up. He look at anybody in the eye because he's a marine. My goodness, what happened? His self-image changed. He went through, went through the fire. How many of you know when you walk with God through the fire, your image will change like, oh, come on, devil. I beat you once, I can do it again. And you ought to stay fired up. You want to charge hell with a squirt gun. Come on. You ought to have that, that self-image. I don't even know what time it is. Listen, listen. <laughs> I know it's illegal now and all that, but this, this, this man... He taught me how to hunt and how to skin deer and stuff. And he had these fighting roosters. I'm trying to help you with your image today. Stay with me. And these fighting roosters are crazy. They'll fight till they're dead. They, they didn't have to train them. You don't have to train those things. They're crazy already. And, and, and you'd let them all walk around. The hens and all the biddies would hatch out. And here these, you know, these roosters would grow up. And these roosters grow up and they're fighting like crazy all over the, all over the yard. And so there was one who would whip everything in the yard. He was the king of the yard. And he said, it's time to catch that one. And me and him would get out there and we'd catch that rooster. Because he's the king. He has a self-image. I can whip anything that walks. Anything. And so I held that rooster and he cut his comb off. Because they grab that, another rooster grabbed that comb and he'll pop him and pop him and pop him until he kills him. So he cut off everything that would. I know this is crazy and gross, but I'm trying to help you. You got to have a self-image. That you are an overcomer. Not by your strength, but by the blood of the lamb. We cut that, that rooster's comb off. It would bleed, and I think, is he going to bleed to death? He goes, no, he'll be all right. He said, throw him back on the ground. Threw him back on the ground. He got a haircut. Nobody knew who he was. They'd come up and try to attack him, and he'd whip him all over the yard again. Doesn't matter what you look like, you're a child of God. Doesn't matter what your hair looks like, what your face will look like, what color you are, you're a child of God, you're an overcomer. Get that image on the inside of you. Me and God can handle anything. God's got my back. What it is, you don't ever try because you don't think God has your back. But God's got your back. He's with you. Jesus said, I never leave you nor forsake you. Lo, I'm with you always. Whether you're in sin whether you're in the wrong place at the wrong time with the wrong people, and I have been there, but it's always better to be in the right place at the right time with the right people. And you know what? Jesus is there too. He's always with us. My, I got to finish and land this airplane, as they say, huh? We're a special possession. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 says, Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? Whom you have from God and you are not your own. 
The Holy Spirit's with you always. Child of God, He's in there. Even with wrong thoughts and everything, all the trash and the clutter, He's still there. He's still there. He's with you. Let's go to E. To be a mighty proclaimer. You are able to praise. The Bible says that we're the salt, that we're the light, that we're to shine. Let your light so shine. You know, we think about praise, what we think about. We just had a praise team up here. We think about a band, guitar. You're a praiser without music. You can praise without music. You can walk around and just thank God, thank God for today. Thank God that I... You know, when you get weak, when you get weak and tired, it's when you really need to start calling out. Thank you, Lord, you're my strength. Thank you, Lord, you're my strength. I'm going to make it through this message without going to sleep. Hallelujah. Huh? you like me. You get still. I, my wife, let's, let's go to the movie. I said, all right. No, I like this. Because I don't ever get still. When I get still, it's over. I don't care what's going on. You know, it would be a good one, bad one. I'm, the, the youth showed up at our house about 20 years ago. They said, come on, Miss Lisa, let's go to the movie. It's 1130. I said, it's 1130. Y'all people want me going to watch a movie at 1130? You're going with us. I said, what? No, I'm not going either. It's time tired. It's 11.30. I'm telling off. We go to a movie. My son's a bit little two-year-old. He's in my lap. The, the, the movie starts. He turns over on my shoulder, goes to sleep. I have my head laid back, and I'm getting pretty tired too. And all of a sudden you hear, and they all look at me like, are you asleep? I said, it ain't me. I'm just trying to help you. He's praising, but it wasn't the right, you know, it wasn't about Jesus, was it? It was bad. I don't know how to get off on this stuff. Isaiah 43, 21. It says, the people I have formed, and that's you, for myself. How about you? God formed you for himself. We don't ever think about that. Well, I'm a daddy's son, my mama, and, you know, we're, just, we're the McClary's, and that's just how we are. No, I was formed for God. God formed me for himself. Because there's a lot of stuff my mama and daddy did I don't want to do, didn't want to do. So I have to change, and I want to be like God. And, and, and so the people I have formed for myself, they shall show forth my praise. They shall declare my praise. Come on. We were not a people. Now we are a people. We don't know his mercy and grace. Didn't know it. Now we know his mercy and grace. We got something to be thankful for. Let me ask you today. Do you know Jesus? This everything that God, that I preached about today is for you if you don't know Jesus. And it's for you if you do know Jesus. But the starting gate, the starting of it all is to accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. I want to read you one more scripture in Colossians 3, 10 and 11. And it says, have put on the new self, put on the new self who is being renewed to a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him. Let me read that one more time. That's verse 10. Put on the new self who is being renewed in the true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him. 
God created you to be like Him. I know we all have attributes and we all have uh, things that we act like our parents. I look in the mirror and I'm like, oh, Lord have mercy, I look like my daddy. But guess what? On the inside, I look like God. On the inside, the image of who I think I am and who God wants me to be is to be like Him. He wants me to think like Him. He wants me to talk like Him. He wants me to be like Him. And it's fun. And it's fun. Verse 11 says, A renewal in which there's no distinction between religion or non-religion, Jew or Greek, barbarian, slave or free man, but Christ is all in all. What it's saying is lay aside the image that you have of yourself from your past. Your past is gone. The renewal. You are a new creature. You're not a drug addict. You're not an ex-con. You're not fat. You're not skinny. You're not ugly. You're not pretty. You're a child of God. Will you be a child of God today? Bow your heads just for a second. Look at your heart. Are you a child of God? Do you have that assurance that you know, that you know, that you know that you're a child of God? Are you for sure that you're going to heaven? Are you a child of God? You say, well, I'm not sure, Pastor Brett. Will you pray for me? Just lift your hand real quick. Say, pray for me. I see that hand. Anybody else? Anybody else? I see that hand. Anybody else? I see that hand. Thank you, Jesus. Anybody else? So this is a new day. This is a new beginning for these three. Anybody else? How about you? You haven't been living for God and you're ready to step into this renewal. You're ready to come back. Guess what? You're still accepted. My kids have done stupid stuff. They're still my kids. They're still my kids. You're still the children of God. If that's you, lift your hand and say, pray for me. Let's all pray this together. Say, Father, today I come once and for all to set the record straight. I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I believe that He died on the cross for my sins. I believe that I am accepted because of the blood of Jesus. I believe today for sure I am a child of God. Father, thank you for sending Jesus to die for me. Thank you for saving me today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Lord. Thanks for listening today. You can keep up with fresh content Find out more about our upcoming events and give to support Legacy Church all online at LegacyFamily.tv. From all of us here at Legacy Church, have a blessed week.